Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mike Blewett filling in for Scott coming off the bench on on the bench uh scott taking some time here around the holidays uh, happy to be with you here on this monday night so all right scott some good news and bad news i guess is that nothing changes as far as the fandom on this show as you can see for those of you that may be watching on the stream i got my steelers t-shirt on for those of you listening you're just gonna have to listen to a steelers fan drone on and thankfully the second half has begun uh, the Steelers are on the field offensively, but uh, I got a bone to pick, obviously, with the way things have gone. Now, I have not been a Steelers fan that has freaked out. They were 11-0. It was far beyond my expectations that they got there. And clearly, play had started to slide. We saw it in the Dallas game. They lucked out against the Ravens. And then things uh, finally fell apart against Washington and the Bills. Offense not looking good the whole way, but we have hit an entirely new low. Here are the first half possessions. And I understand James Conner couldn't play and that Ryan Finley, a third stringer, is in at quarterback for Cincinnati. There are a, a number of reasons that the Steelers could have excuses. And then on the flip side, dealing with a team playing a third string quarterback, a 2-10-1 team playing a third string quarterback. Here's their first half possessions. Punt, three and out. Punt, three and out. Fumble on first down on the next possession. That led to a field goal for the Bengals. The next possession, three and out. Punt, the next possession. Fumble, minus seven yards on that possession. Juju got hit, fumbled after a catch. I will say that the frustrating part of that Juju fumble, and I do believe it was a catch and a fumble, is he also took a helmet to the head on that. So there are times, and it isn't an excuse, it was a fumble and uh, called correctly in that way, but there are times when, obviously, many of us as NFL fans would like the entire play reviewed. So yes, he caught it, and yes, he fumbled. Good challenge by Zach Taylor. But Von Bell went helmet to helmet with Juju Smith on that hit, creating the fumble. So uh, I understand that uh, that isn't going to be overturned, but I've been of the opinion that if you're going to review the entire play, if you're going to review the play, review the entire play, call it as it happened. If you're slowing it down to find if you caught it, let's slow it down to find out if it was a personal foul, which it should have been uh, first down. That that would have been the ultimate outcome of that play had they called it correctly. It would have been a flag on the Bengals first down Steelers. But nonetheless, this is a pathetic 
offensive performance because after that fumble by Juju, they go down the field and score a touchdown to the Bengals. The next possession, interception. That led to a touchdown by the Bengals. Punt, next possession, three and out, punt. Next possession, three and out, punt. Samuels, as they're, they're trying to run out the clock at the end of the first half, the Bengals have timeouts, so they're calling them. But instead of Jalen Samuels catching the pass with 16 seconds left and going down to force the Bengals to use a timeout, he runs out of bounds. Runs out of bounds. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, thank you for listening on this holiday season. We appreciate it. I'm Mike Blewett filling in for Scott Farrell. So all of these things have happened to basically put the Steelers in a position that they haven't been in in 30 years. They had not been shut out the half by the Bengals since 1990. Chuck Knoll was the head coach. So before Mike Tomlin, before Bill Cowher, Chuck Knoll, the all-time great head coach, was down 10-0 to the Bengals in 1990. And tonight, 17-0. T.J. Watt upset at the end of the half. The, the Bengals ultimately knelt it out to end the first half. T.J. Watt's upset because there's people running on the field that don't need to be there for what is a, a kneel down. It was a disaster. It, it, it is, they've played some bad football recently. Easily the worst they've played. Easily. Offensively, defense is put in bad positions. I don't really know what you want them to do. Short fields. The Bengals also missed a field goal, so it could have been 20 to nothing. It was a long field goal, but could have been 20 to nothing. I'm not really sure what you want the defense to do in that instance. It's the worst offensive performance I've seen in a half by them easily this year and possibly longer than that. The, the reality for this team right now is that it doesn't really matter if they get to January. They're in the playoffs. They can clinch the division if they win another game. Although they're letting them, they've let the Browns back into this thing. But it doesn't really matter. They can't do anything offensively. All of these quick hitting routes to Juju Smith Schuster don't do anything. Everybody knows they're coming. They're sitting on them, creating fumbles tonight. Did Von Bell? They're constantly celebrating the Bengals are, and they played a good half. I give the defense a lot of credit, but. Washington showed everybody the playbook for defending the Steelers a few weeks ago. They're only throwing short, so they just sit on these routes. Ben can't throw long. I've, I've said this on a number of different shows. Occam's razor. You can try and figure out all the different permutations and explanations for something, but it's likely to be the simple, most obvious explanation. Ben can't throw the ball down the field anymore, so they're going short. Why have they abandoned the run? That I don't know. That confuses me. But an absolutely pathetic performance. I don't count them out of it because the Bengals, and this is a decent Steelers team. So we'll come back. We'll see what, what the position that they're in next on the grid. It's Mike Blewett filling in for Scott. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. 
This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, we're not saying all the other sports talk networks are backwards, but we're pretty sure they all have a favorite hee-haw episode. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. So uh, apparently my rant was a motivator. Steelers come back and score. They hit a couple of long passes, which is the thing they absolutely could not do uh, at all in the first half. They go 23 yards. Uh, 37 yards, Roethlisberger to Claypool, and then uh, back that up with a 23-yard touchdown to Deontay Johnson. So 17-7, to and the Steelers get the Bengals off the field right away. So they'll get the ball back down 10. For those of you out there live betting this game, keep in mind the Steelers were two touchdown favorites. It swung all the way back to, and we are, they're locked right now. So... It swung all the way back down to where the Bengals were five, six and a half point favorites uh, as we entered the second half. But right now, I'm sure when that opens again, it ha- will have swung dramatically. So a couple of notes there. Uh, Derek Watt, we saw him get uh, banged up pretty good on the and I kickoff early in the first half. And then Eric Ebron took a pretty bad hit. Both of those players have been ruled out for the rest of the game. Uh, we are going to have some guests coming up on the show. Randy Cardoon, uh, you can find him uh, on the Talking About Cars podcast. He's going to talk with us about L.A. sports in general, but really specifically about the passing of Kevin Green and his relationship and, and his um, connection to Kevin Green. Sadly, Steelers, great, great Hall of Famer, Packer, Panther. He played for a number of different teams during the course of his career and obviously uh, started off with the Rams, and started off with the USFL, and made a name for himself with the Rams. Uh, passed away today at the age of 58. Uh, a favorite player of mine, uh, really a touching Hall of Fame speech for those of you that may have never uh, seen or listened to it. I, I highly recommend that after the show. Uh, you go take a listen to that. It's really uplifting and touching, and I, I thought he did an incredible job on, on a night where uh, sometimes those speeches aren't big motivators, but I, I found his to be uh, really hit, hit the heart, really tug on the heartstrings. And uh, in any event, we'll we'll talk to Randy about that. Joe Lisi, uh, my partner on college football today, going to have him on at 11:40 to talk about the college football playoff, and I'll get into that in a little bit. I, I think it's always good though uh, to start off here to recap a little bit of what happened yesterday. So. Uh, the game that was the highlight game of the day, Chiefs Saints. It didn't feel like that in the first half, but I thought that game delivered in a big way. Uh, here's a little bit from Patrick Mahomes talking about his his team's effort yesterday. Uh, my man, Mafia, helped me. I mean, out. I've always felt like it was a strength. I mean, uh, you got to be able to win games in this league. I mean, that that's 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 it at the end of the day. I mean, it looks cool and it feels awesome to win by 20, 30 points. But when you have a team that can find a way to win with their offense, the defense, and special teams um, every single game and find a way to win no matter what the score is, those are the teams that make runs at the end of the year. So that's it, Pat Mahomes. I, 
the interesting thing about the Chiefs, and we've seen this for now six weeks in a row, uh, they are winning games by the skin of their teeth in some of these instances. They are now a 13-1 and football team. They won a three-point game, a six-point game, a six-point game, a three-point game, a four-point game, and a two-point game. They are their first team in NFL history to win six consecutive games by one score, so or by six points or less, I think is the stat. So uh, it ain't pretty. If you've been betting on them, you've been a loser. But... What do they care? Uh, they're getting there uh, by hell or high water. And they went on the road yesterday. Yes, as a favorite, but they went on the road yesterday. And they took out a Saints team that many consider to be the best team in the NFC. I think that title is obviously up for grabs. Some would say the Packers. But the way the Saints defense had been playing, and I talked about this yesterday on Pro Football Today with Ariel Etzine and Dane Martinez. You can find us there every Sunday. But uh, the calling card for the Saints. Obviously, recently, without with Drew Brees on the sidelines, Michael Thomas in and out of the lineup, now out of the lineup for the rest of the regular season, had been a defensive calling card. And for the Chiefs to go down there, score 32 points on them, I think says a lot. Now, they lose Clyde Edwards-Alaire yesterday. He had not, frankly, been the most impactful uh, rookie running back. Expectations were higher for him, but uh, they've lost him for the remainder of the regular season, perhaps the remainder of the season altogether. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, now that that midseason signing uh, looks a lot better than maybe it did when it initially happened. People weren't sure how he would fit into the offense, how many touches he would steal from Edwards Alaire. But he has the opportunity to be whatever they need him to be. A workhorse back in the Chiefs offense is a little bit of an oxymoron. They don't necessarily look to give somebody the ball 25 times a game. Uh, they do it by spreading the ball around, uh, rightfully, to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, both of whom uh, had good days yesterday. So uh, I came out of that game. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm not panicked. I thought there were uh, times yesterday where you're probably a little bit nervous about how Drew Brees was playing. Uh, but ultimately, they lose to the best team in the league by a field goal. And I don't think you can be that upset about it. When you look at the stats, you know, and it was at one point a 29 to 15 ball game right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Saints come right back and score a few minutes later. Chiefs get a field goal to kind of put it out of put it out of reach. But to be honest, the Saints came right down the field and scored before the two minute warning. There was an opportunity to potentially get a stop and and uh, get the ball back, and it didn't happen because Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes. Uh, obviously, they can they get first downs and, and they uh, they get the job done. But what uh, obviously hurt them is time of possession yesterday. You don't see this often from the Chiefs, and it's scary when they do it, but they held the ball for 41 minutes in that game. So, frankly, kudos to the Saints for even being in that game, uh, holding the ball for only 18 minutes and 46 seconds. But generally, when the Chiefs... Hang on when anybody hangs on to the ball for 40 minutes, if they're going to win when the Chiefs do it, uh, it's a lot tougher. So uh, I, I don't come away there from away from that panicked at all. If I'm a Saints fan, yes, you want Drew Brees to get healthier, but he took every first team rep in practice last week, and I think they'll be, I think they're going to have an opportunity to win the NFC. They they've played badly in January in the past. I wonder if Drew Brees, despite those injuries, not having all those miles on him during the course of the season. Uh, will help them in the long run. Now, obviously, the big story as well is Jets-Rams. 
as big an upset as certainly the biggest upset of the entire season. They were 17-point underdogs, and the Jets, I think the Jets fans are obviously downtrodden because they've now lost leverage on potentially getting the number one pick. But I'm going to try to focus on the positive. We'll listen to Adam Gase here talking about what that win meant to him at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're playing a team like that, that's that's pretty good. I mean, it's the number one defense. I mean, their offense is, is has tons of players, guys that can make – I mean, you saw it today. I mean, it just takes one or two touches, and all of a sudden they're from one side of the field to the other very quickly. Um, you know, I, the guys just kept coming back, wiring in. I thought the defense coaches did a great job of, you know, being aggressive in the right way. You know, we had some – you know, I can't say enough what Marcus May – you know, what he did in this game. I mean, he, he almost tried to end it himself um, with an interception, but then he made a hell of a play at the end of the game. I mean, I'm just glad that, that he was out there. So kudos to the Jets for getting the W. I, I think we all know that they had that Raiders game won. They miraculously lost that game. And I, I'm not of the opinion that they were going to go 0-16. I'm as surprised as anyone that yesterday was the day that they got the win, but I, I don't really, I didn't think they were going 0-16 anyway. So they picked up a win incredulously, but now they just need the Jags to pull off another W. I thought they'd get one a couple of weeks ago against the Vikings, they didn't. All right, we'll come back, we'll talk more NFL and college football after this. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? (laughs) You do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Back on the grid, Mike Blewett filling in for Scott Frell. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, do so at Mike Blewett on Instagram at Hey Blewett. And follow us all here on uh, at Sports Grid or at Sports Grid Radio. And thanks to all the affiliates out there and the Mightier 1090. Uh, for those of you listening in, Steelers uh, chip back, chipping away, chip, chip, chipping away. 17 to 10 now. They picked up a field goal uh, trying to harass Ryan Finley, and he's missing throws left and right. Finley hasn't really done much 
they've they've started the odd part is they've been running him uh using his athleticism but i don't i'm not sure that they're aware that he's their third string quarterback and had to pull up practice squatter off the practice squad in order to be a backup if they lose ryan finley they're going to be in a world of hurt it's not like they've done great offensively they've just been in great position so the steelers down seven 347 to go in the third uh and they have the ball first and 10 from their own 31 yard line or so uh i want to get back to the jets just to, to finish off my thoughts on the jets they have two games left they've got the browns this week and then they are at the Patriots. Patriots have nothing to play for now. So while that's normally not a place where the Jets have a lot of success, uh, this is probably a team that's potentially moving on from Cam Newton, uh, likely moving on from Cam Newton. Uh, We may see um, Stidham in there the rest of the way this season. There isn't really any point uh, in throwing Cam Newton back out there. From the Jets' standpoint, and and on the Jaguars' front, they play the Bears this week, uh, in Week 16, this upcoming week. And then in Week 17, I'll get it, I think they have the Colts again. Yeah, so they flank their season. They beat the Colts to open the season. Uh, I've lost 13 straight. Now they have the Bears and the Colts. Where do And the percentage chance of the Jaguars to get the number one overall pick, which is Trevor Lawrence, obviously it's the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, is 73%, somewhere in that range. The Jets went from 76% down to 25%. So three to one chance uh, to a one in four chance. Not great, uh, obviously, for those Jets fans out there. But I really didn't think they were going 0-16. I know it started to, the momentum started building and you wanted that to happen. But uh, are you that stunned that they won a game? For them to go one fifteen is brutal. I thought the Jets. I thought the Jaguars were going to be the worst team. I had their under on the season that hit, and I had the Jets under too. I thought they're both going to be really bad, but I actually thought the Jaguars were going to be far worse. I thought Sam Darnold would gut them to a few wins, and then he got hurt, and obviously he hasn't played well. Everything has fallen apart for the Jets, but there were two or three games that they could have won. Obviously the Raiders game, and then. Uh, they finally pull off the win against the Rams. What would I do going forward? Would I pick Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or run it back with Sam Darnold? The problem with running back with Sam Darnold is, as much as I'm a believer that he could uh, be good if given a second chance, I don't know that the second chance should be here. I think the Jets have seen what they need to see out of him, and they're going to bring him back for a third different offensive coordinator in three years. I don't love it. I don't I don't love that idea, but I still think Sam has a chance. I, I wouldn't think it's the craziest thing if they didn't like Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or whomever you want to throw there behind Lawrence. If they didn't like them enough to trade back, get a bunch of picks and run it back with Sam one more time, I actually don't think that's crazy. I don't think you should talk yourself into the quarterback of the future. Uh, the problem is they're they're in the process of of ruining their quarterback of the future, which they traded up for. So take that, take the, take that with a grain of salt. I, I don't really know that you can trust the Jets' long-term plans, although I do think Joe Douglas is the right guy for the job now. Their previous two general managers in McCagnan and Idzik just were really awful. There's no other way to say it. They did not do a good job of bringing talent onto this team. So uh, we are talking about the Pats there a minute ago. Uh, past Dolphins, uh, 
Pats officially eliminated from the playoffs. First time since 2008 that they will miss. And a little bit here from Brian Flores about how they showed their resilience in the second half. Yeah, I think we overcame the tough first half. But that, that just speaks to the resiliency and the, uh, the mental toughness of this team. Didn't play great in the first half. You know, got down into the red zone, turned it over. Uh, you know, this team, we don't go in a tank. Uh, and we just keep playing. We just battle through. That's what they did. Came in at halftime, made some adjustments. I think Chan made some adjustments. Josh made some adjustments. Danny made adjustments in the game. Uh, they went out there and executed. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for our players. So good stuff there from Brian Flores. I, I'm an unabashed fan of Brian Flores uh, because we went to the same college. Uh, he's a little younger than me, sad for me to say, but he's a little younger than me. He played football at BC. Uh, I was a fan of his. He obviously has been on this track. Uh, for a while. I thought he did an unbelievable job last year when they were 0-7, and he finished with them 5-4, and nearly 6-3, and and obviously has continued the momentum through this season. Uh, well in position here. Now, it's a competitive situation for uh, those final few playoff spots with the Ravens on a roll here and the Colts and Titans battling out. They're likely to get to 11 wins. The Ravens can very well be at 11 wins. The Browns are 10 and 4 right now, they could get to 11 wins. If the Dolphins win their last two, they could go 11 and 5 and miss out. Um, I don't think you would hang your head. It's only happened once in NFL history where an 11 and 5 team has missed the playoffs. Ironically, the 2008 New England Patriots, when Tom Brady got hurt, Matt Castle led them to an 11 and 5 record and they, they missed the playoffs. So the Dolphins could be in that position. But uh, honestly, I really gritty team. I think you very often see teams that are molded in the attitude of the coach, and it's kind of a cool thing to watch, and those teams generally are successful. I think the Patriots uh, have done that over the years with Belichick, where there's an extreme level of accountability there and a focus on situational football, the best uh, that we've ever seen at that. Uh, The Bills, Sean McDermott, it's kind of a no BS situation there. McDermott and Brandon Bean, their GM, have molded this team exactly the way they want it. And I think they play in the way that McDermott exudes himself. I think, again, he's a guy with no excuses that uh, doesn't do a lot of talking. They just go out there and they play really good football. Look at Josh Allen this year. He's not talking about how great he's playing. He's just going out there and doing it and focusing on how he can improve. And I think the Dolphins are like that. It ain't flashy. Sometimes it's really not pretty at all. And people are saying, Tua, like, what, what has he really shown me? I don't know. They keep winning. He's 20 of 26 for 145 and a pick. Yeah, it's pretty gross. But he ran for two touchdowns because they're doing everything they could to scratch and claw and win. And they shut down the Pats. The Pats scored 12 points, six in the second half. The Dolphins had a 15-point fourth quarter uh, to come from behind in that game. I give them a, a lot of credit. So Salvin Ahmed, who's the r- running back of choice really for them now, was able to come back into that game, uh, come back after a hiatus, 23 carries for 122 and a touchdown. Matt Breida chips in for 86 yards, so they ran all over the Pats, 42 carries, 250 yards and three touchdowns, two of them uh, by Tua. Didn't have to throw much downfield, but uh, kudos 
uh, to the Dolphins. I would like to see them get in the playoffs, but it's going to be tough. I really do think the Ravens are going to win out, and the Browns just need really one of two, and we'll see what the tiebreakers are. I'm trying to find that uh, a little bit later. And uh, last game I guess I'll talk about here would be Bucks falcons So a lot of the talk that I heard today on a variety of different networks was pretty negative about the Bucks, And again, I like to be positive. I'll try and focus on the positive. They're down 17-0 at halftime. And they came out, and in the third quarter, they scored 21 points. So by the end of the third quarter, it is 24-21. They got themselves right back into it. Brady's stats are off the charts, 31 of 45 for 390 and two scores. Matt Ryan was on fire early, 34 of 49, 356 and three touchdowns. So a fantasy bonanza for those of you uh, that were in your fantasy playoffs yesterday. Good for you, Mike Evans, six for 110. Calvin Ridley went crazy, 10 for 163 and a score. Uh but there's still the same. The problem for the Bucks is that the same cloud that's hanging over their head from week one is now still here, and it's week 16, about to be week 16. They're nine and five, but there's an assumption, and I think where there's smoke, there's fire, that Arians and Brady just aren't on the same page. And I talked about this during the summer with my co-host of uh, one of my shows, George Kurtz, and. There, I had to assume that they acquired Tom Brady in order to do the things that Tom Brady is best at. But there's obviously been some tension in that regard, where Bruce Arians kind of wants to run some of the downfield stuff that he likes to run, and maybe that's not best for Brady. And I say all this on the heels of a 31 for 45, 392 touchdown performance. Uh, I think they can rip off their last couple of games here. I think they're absolutely dangerous in the playoffs. But my concern for them has not really been the offense. People are banging on that all year. And I think I'm surprised that they're not on the same page to some extent. But I don't think the offense is broken. What I see when I watch the Bucs that people are talking about, how their defense is talented, how they can make plays, they can't cover anyone. They give up play after play. Their defensive backfield, whatever talent they may have there, does not make plays. They can't, the Cal, Julio Jones isn't even there yesterday, and they're down 17 nothing. and Calvin Ridley can't be stopped. 10 catches on 14 targets. That's the problem for them. That's why they're losing the playoffs, in my opinion. We'll come back. we got Randy Cardoon next, talking about L.A. sports scene on the grid. Our goal is subtle, but profound. We want you, Sporto, to hold court at the company water cooler every Friday and Monday. Get it? That's the winning edge. All you got to do is listen. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Back on the grid, quick update on the game tonight. Bengals driving right now, third down in Steelers territory, still 17-10. But I'm joined right now by Randy Cardoon. He's the sportscaster on KNX in L.A. He's the host of Talking About Cars podcast. You find him on Twitter at KNX Randy Cardoon. That's K-E-R-D-O-O-N. Randy, thanks for joining me this evening. I appreciate it. 
Mike, appreciate it. This is not a time to have Eric LeBron, Eric Ebron on your fantasy team. That's all I want to I, say. I hear you. That, that It is not, not going well for you if he's in your lineup. Uh, he's out <laughs> for the rest of the game. But uh, happy holidays to you. And I wish we were talking about something more uplifting, but I, I, I'm glad to have you on to talk about this because, uh, like Scott, I am a lifelong Steelers fan. And those teams of the early to mid-90s on which Kevin Green was on were the teams that I really think about that I was most connected to. I was a little young for their 70s Super Bowl teams, but those early 90s teams when Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd were uh, terrorizing quarterbacks were the teams I really identified with. And I know uh, he start, obviously started his career in the USFL and then uh, with the Rams. So I would love to hear about your perspective. It's a sad day uh, as he passed away today at the age of 58. Yeah, and Kevin Green, a lot of people here remembered him with the Rams. And that is, of course, before they went to St. Louis. We're talking the 80s era, back when Pete yeah. Rozelle was still the uh, uh, big cheese in the NFL. And also that the National Football League Western Division was uh, San Francisco, L.A., New Orleans, and Atlanta. I mean, back yeah. in the day... The Rams had a pretty decent team, but they couldn't get past the 49ers, and Kevin Green really was the anchor of their defense. He twice had 16-and-a-half sacks, in fact, back-to-back seasons in the late 80s, and then he moved on to Pittsburgh where he really shined because the defenses there were much better than the Rams' defenses were here when he played for them, and, and he developed that persona. He developed a persona of kind of like the wild man. He even did the pro wrestling guest thing where he would yeah. go on and be a celebrity who would get, yeah. remember that when he would sit there of and course. do the pro wrestling thing. But that's Kevin Green. That was the kind of guy we saw on the football field. And, and he carried that all the way through. And of course, with his years in Carolina and, and briefly with San Francisco, he was that wild man guy, the energy guy that uh, defenses just seemed to have a great time with. And he performed. Yeah. Yeah. He had a really long career, too. I, like I said, drafted in, into the USFL in 1985, played all the way uh, to 1999. I, I remember and I said this to people earlier in the broadcast, I really would suggest that people go when they get an opportunity to listen to this Hall of Fame speech. You're talking about that that was really mm -hmm. him. I found his Hall of Fame speech of all the ones that I've listened to. And some guys can drone on and on and they don't really connect with you. I found his to be one of the most meaningful that I've ever watched. I thought it was so genuine. He obviously has a strong connection to the military, and I, he kept it short and sweet and to the point, but he really hit home for me, and I, I think, to your point, that's the type of guy that he was. Yeah, and I think also the fact that when it came to big moments, he uh, he spoke from the heart in that situation. I mean, during his playing days, he was kind of like the Hulk Hogan, if you will, the wild hair and, and running around and, and just doing everything. But in that moment when he was uh, being put into the Hall of Fame, he, as you said, just uh, said what came from his heart and really didn't need a lot of time to say what he wanted to say because I think it just, it just seemed to really hit with so many NFL fans out there what kind of guy he was and what kind of guy was really going into the Hall of Fame. He will be missed. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on again. We're with Randy Cardoon, a sportscaster in KNX in L.A., a host of Talking About Cars podcast. Find him on Twitter at KNX Randy Cardoon. So uh, as you were talking during the break, 
to producer uh, Mafia Bryciano, he was talking about how his Jets blew their opportunity for the season, which is <laughs> odd to say to somebody that's covering the Rams who suffered the largest upset in the NFL by a wide margin this season. Yeah, absolutely. This season, and we, I was kind of laughing because we were talking about <laughs> the Jets go out and finally put something together and stop an opponent, and you still can't make Jets fans happy because That's right. obviously now they're looking at the number one pick in the draft, and it's like, oh no, are we going to lose it to Jacksonville? How's that going to work out? And people are now all upset. And of course, on the Rams side of things, you've got guys saying to them, "Hey, look, this is a team that gets sporadically." get sporadically changed as far as the way they play. They'll put in two or three really good games in a row and then just lay an egg like they did against the Jets uh, yesterday. Yeah. Earlier this season, they had a couple of games like that where Jared Goff suddenly acts like he's the guy uh, playing in the old Jeff Fisher days, the first year the team returned to Los Angeles. And, and we don't want to see that Jared Goff. We want to see the Jared Goff that's played well lately when that Rams team is really playing on all cylinders they are a real challenger for this Super Bowl and the Super Bowl title remember it's only been a couple of years uh less than two years really since the Rams were in the Super Bowl when they kind of got um knocked off by New England now it's a big question of can this team come back but I'll tell you a lot of people here just couldn't believe it and and there's also overreaction some guys are saying, if you if you look at social media, and of course all of us see it, yeah. there are some guys saying, okay, let's just tear down this entire Rams team. What? You don't want to do that, but you have to get them to focus on what's at hand, and they didn't in that loss. Yeah, I, I thought the story of the game, and it, I think it's something that people wouldn't necessarily know because how many fans from around the country are following the Jets at this point just to fight. They really are just looking at the box score to see if they lost again and were probably as stunned as anybody uh, to see that they won. But the Jets had actually gotten off to pretty good starts recently. They nearly won that Raiders game. They lost it in miraculous fashion. But the Jets had been scoring to open up the game regularly for weeks and weeks in a row. I, I'm not sure if it's six or eight games in a row the Jets had scored on their opening drive. They did that again yesterday, obviously got some turnovers and put themselves in a position where the Rams were in a hole. Rams were down 10 nothing before you knew it. And that isn't necessarily Goff's game. He isn't necessarily the guy that's going to thrive in a 10-point or 14-point deficit. And yeah, he didn't have his best game, and they nearly came back and won it, obviously. But I, I think the criticism of him often is that he needs things to be perfect in order to excel. It didn't happen yesterday. I, I don't. I think you're right. There's an overreaction, but uh, there are some. Uh, there are some. There are holes that can be poked in this team a little bit. I've always found it to be that they're maybe not as deep as some other teams, but I still think the Rams are not a team that you want to play in the playoffs simply because their defense is so strong. And that's really shown true over the last few weeks. And, and also, what is it about the Jets playing at SoFi? Remember, they almost knocked off the Chargers, too, yeah. before uh, L.A. came back and suddenly turned that around as well. But the Jets played pretty impressively, kept it close in that game against the Chargers, and then uh, lost it late. This time around, the Rams were threatening, and the Jets were the ones that came up with the big play. Uh, again, at Jared Goff, under the right circumstances, as you mentioned, they play really good on offense. They are able to spray yeah. the ball around. Jared Goff doesn't go for the home run much anymore. He does from time to time. But he'll throw a lot of spray passes 
short right, short left, short middle, that kind of stuff. But as far as trying to, if he gets out of that rhythm or something happens with the defense that knocks him out of that situation, he has to rely on the running game. And of late, the Rams have been running three guys, and that's good when they're all running well. Cam Akers, though, he uh, injured, got injured in the, in the game against the Jets, and the Rams' running game really never did take off. Yeah, true. Uh, well, let's, let's go over the other, the other team in SoFi Stadium. Uh, Justin Herbert, you just mentioned them when the Jets had played them uh, close earlier this season. Uh, the Chargers' future with Justin Herbert feels bright. They, you, you mentioned the Jets kept it close. The Chargers can't help but to play a close game. It's all they do is play one-score games, <laughs> and I think it's the reason that they find themselves on the wrong side of it. They've kept games close uh, too often in situations where they could have extended it, and obviously there's been some late-game management issues with Anthony Lynn. The Chargers obviously love Anthony Lynn, right? But we have seen so many games be lost as a result of clock mismanagement and perhaps not putting teams away that – would you think that this is a scenario where they move on at the end of the season with the new quarterback in place? They can find somebody uh, to coach him up and, and maybe uh, have better results on the field? I think it's leaning in that general direction. I mean, they've come up with a couple of wins, but against the Falcons and the Raiders, they've got the Broncos coming up this weekend, followed by the Chiefs. If they can sweep the table, then maybe there's a shot he'd stick around. But I think these issues keep popping up a little too much, which means yeah. it's always the guy at the top who gets responsibility for that. And at the moment, that's Anthony Lynn. So if this continues, mis miscommunications uh, as far as the uh, special teams is concerned, offense having some trouble. You know, the big key as far as Herbert is concerned is you have to make sure you've got some key guys to throw him for him to throw the passes to and also to hand off. Eckler is back. Austin Eckler is back, so that's a good thing. Uh, he has given the Chargers some running ability again uh, after some of the other guys that have really come to the rescue, like Kalen Balaj and that sort of stuff. But, yeah. again, now some of the injuries that they're having, again, are raising their its ugly head, and we'll see what happens, how the Chargers can pull it off. All right, so uh, we'll close it out with some hoops. Uh, Lakers had a the briefest hiatus in the history of championships, 71 days from the time they uh, played to the time they got ready to tip off their next game. So uh, my expectation for teams like the Lakers and Clippers that have superstars that felt like they just stopped playing, even though Kawhi got bounced a little earlier than expected, we may not see as much of the superstars early as we would like. Do you get that same impression? Probably not, but I do think one thing that's positive about them is the fact that George and Kawhi have been able to now play an entire preseason together, and that's something, or at least some sort of preseason together. Remember, last year, these guys were coming off injuries. We didn't see them play together hardly at all. So by the time they got into the postseason, they were just kind of working through their games. So it'd be interesting to see now that they've had some time to really get to know each other and play on the same team, what that means down the line. Yeah, so uh, Lakers, obviously, LeBron, uh, he, he didn't get to victory lap too much, uh, but uh, we expect to see him on Christmas Day and Lakers uh, poised for another championship run. Why, why bet against them when we saw what they were able to do in the bubble in Orlando? 
it's hard to uh, do that. I think they just up and reloaded and brought in some uh, better talent, I think. And it's going to be interesting once again to see if this team is just going to be able to continue on. Keep in mind, although they may not see a lot of action early on, you're going to get AD and LeBron constantly toward the end of the season, especially into the playoffs. And that's going to be so hard to overcome that. Yeah, of course. About 30 seconds here. What about the addition of Ty Lue uh, to the Clippers coaching staff? Do you think he's going to be well-received? What are their early returns on that? Well, if you talk to the guys uh, today, Kawhi Leonard said that everybody likes and has really bought into the Ty Lue way of doing things. And I think uh, whatever happened with Doc Rivers uh, when everybody got together, now everybody seems united behind Ty Lue. And we'll see what happens with the Clippers, who certainly... Yeah, it's all going to come down to what happens at the end of the season. We all know that. So Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Randy. He's sportscaster in KNX in L.A. and talking about Cars podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Happy holidays. We'll be right back on the grid after this. All right, just getting an update here. Steelers just took uh, got a big pass interference penalty. Uh, my computer's all jammed up here as I'm streaming this game, but... Uh, they just scored, all right, 24-17 uh, Steelers. So the Bengals had come down while I was on the phone with Randy. The Bengals uh, came down the field and scored. Steelers bounced back 24-17. I think four and a half minutes left. Uh, I could be wrong on that timing. But what I wanted to focus on is uh, related to this game in that Ben Roethlisberger had comments uh, earlier today that he has no plans of hanging up the cleats before the end of his contract through the 2021 season. Now, I had no expectations that he was going to do that. He is due uh, quite a bit of money for next season. My assumption that, and this is before we saw how he was playing, my assumption that he was going to come back for 2021 and the Steelers would figure out their quarterback of the future uh, in this draft. Or, frankly, look at a plan B, like uh, like a Sam Darnold. It's been rumored for months that Sam Darnold could be the Steelers' uh, heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, and I would take that. The Steelers are in cap hell, so getting somebody on the cheap like Darnold is possible. Certainly a cheaper uh, option than Roethlisberger after Roethlisberger retires, who clocks in at you know $22 million a year. You can't cut him after this year because it's a $22 million cap hit that would uh, crush the team. But they absolutely have to have a plan to be. I think Ben has shown you what if Ben's shown you one thing this year is that uh, he can't throw the ball downfield anymore. I think you bring him back next year with the him starting and a plan B on the roster, whether it's a veteran like Darnold, whether it is a rookie that they draft at the end of the first round, somewhere in the second round. I think that's the way to look. I'm not surprised that he said something like that, but what do you want him to do? He's got money on the table. He's not going to he's not going to leave it there. And they can't cut him. He's back. He's their quarterback in 2021. More with me on Pharrell on the bench, on the grid in hour number two after this. Build digital first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 